monsters, Scully, plain and simple, and not just your everyday run-of-the-mill monster, but we're talking transformation here. Man into monster and back again, to which I know you're going to say, but Mulder, that only happens in werewolf myths that were originally concocted to explain away the violent behavior of people who've been bitten by rabbit animals before the medical discovery of rabies. But is it so outlandish to believe that some legends are based on actual occurrences and not just ignorance? To which I know what you're going to say, Scully, you're going to say, but Mulder, it defies every known law of science and nature. Exactly, Scully, every known law. What if this creature that we've stumbled upon is here to create a whole new paradigm for our understanding of life itself? Or maybe science was used to create this unnatural being. Maybe this is some GMO experiment run amok by some military agro big pharma corporation. Maybe this guy is his chief geneticist who recklessly experimented on himself and now transforms into a fiend who needs to feast on human flesh. To which I know you're going to say, but Mulder, that sounds like the paranoid ravings of some lunatic madman. I don't know what this thing is, Scully, and I don't know exactly how it came to be. I just, all I'm saying is it's a monster. Yeah, this is how I like my Mulder. So you're agreeing with me? No! You're backcrap crazy! Shh! It's the film flavors. Hey guys, I'm Chris. Hey everybody, I'm Robert. And we're the Film Flamers. And we are bringing you something very special. That's right. This has been years in the making and uh, in the wanting, actually, because we've had several people reach out to us asking for what our takes were on a certain series. Of course, you've already, you know, read the title and clicked on the episode, presumably. So yes, this is Top 13 X-Files episodes. All through the month of October, we have been talking about the unlucky number 13, right? Well, I guess unlucky for some people, but not for you guys, because we are giving you an extra long top 10 episode by adding three more to the list. It's almost like the special mentions are built in, except we still have special mentions after this. (laughs) So the top 20 episodes? No, just kidding. No, it's the top 13 for sure, because of course this month or this year, October has... A Friday the 13th in it. That's right. And yeah. also, uh, the X-Files just celebrated its 30th anniversary of its original air date. Yes. In September? I so, think yeah. so. Uh-huh. Yeah, we actually kind of traipsed into that on accident, which we usually do. That's right. We All of the anniversaries, except for our own on this show, which we actually get wrong. Yeah, I actively can't remember how many years we've been doing this podcast. For all I know, 13. <laughs> Anyway, uh, I do want to shout out a couple of our patrons for giving me some validation and some pointers. Okay. And that is uh, Bennett and Nikki. Thank you guys for all the input um, on the X-Files and letting us know what some of your favorites are. And um, also, this is the first time I have ever seen a single X-Files episode was preparing for this, this podcast. Which is just shocking to me. Well, I mean, at the time when it was released, I was just like, oh, God, it's just all about aliens. And so I was like, I'll have none of that. Wow. And here it is. Like, Except that some of your favorite horror movies probably even then were like sci-fi horror. Yeah, but not like Little Green Men kind of. You know what I mean? I don't know. It was just like governments trying to cover up alien conspiracies. And I was just like, eh. But now having seen the episodes that I have... Quite frankly, I kind of want to go back and watch the entire series. And you really should. 
you know, and so this is, of course, going to be a little bit more of a history lesson as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're going to end with our top 13, but really I wanted to talk about how important this show is to the horror community, to the science fiction community, and really to the the pop culture community in, in general. Yeah. I mean, and I can see how it firmly has its place in pop culture. So uh, let's get started then. The X-Files was an American TV series, obviously, and it was created by Chris Carter. And it ran from September 1993 to May 2002 on the Fox network. So Chris Carter um, hadn't really done a huge amount before this. I think he he was a director and writer of Disney television films. Okay. Before this. And then he just kind of pitched his own series and show ran it for forever and all of its spinoffs and a couple of other things as well. Well, I noticed his name a lot during the credits of some of the episodes that we watched. So a, a lot of these he wrote and directed. Oh yeah, yeah of so. course. And he's no slouch. And I think he even directed um, at least one, if not both of the movies. So during its original run, the program spanned nine seasons with a total of 202 episodes. And that doesn't include the 10th and 11th revival seasons because uh, that 10th season came out. Uh, it was only about six episodes, but it ran from January to February 2016, but it had a huge amount of success to it. And so there was a second revival and uh, it returned for an 11th season of 10 episodes, which ran from January to March in 2018 being aired. I didn't watch all of the show of X-Files when it came out, but mm-hmm. I would remember if it was on, I would watch it. And for a couple of years there, when we could keep track of it, we would, you know, because if you miss something in the mythology, you would kind of get out of it, kind of like lost or something later on, you know? Right. But they had really good Monster of the Week episodes, so it was fairly accessible. Cable had to kind of be that way back then. It was less serialized, you know? So the reboot came 2016, so 14 years after the original ended. That's quite a jump. Yeah. And, you know, I thought you saw one of those episodes. Yeah. You know, I thought it did a good job. I yeah, I almost made me cry. It was fun seeing it. Uh, and of course, in addition to the television series, two feature films have been released. The 1998 film, The X-Files Fight the Future, uh, which happens between seasons five and six. And the standalone film, The X-Files I Want to Believe, which was released all the way in 2008, 10 years later, uh, six years after the original television run had ended. Oh my gosh. Um, how are the movies? And like 10 years before the revival <laughs> come out. Uh, movies are good or yeah I think they're both good Okay. yeah and I'm not just saying that I think that they're at least three and a half so maybe one of them is a four wow okay because yeah. I mean I did catch the trailer for one the other night at your house and I was just like oh my yeah if if people are really you know thirsty for more X-Files discussion then maybe mayhaps one year mm-hmm. we can do deep dives on those and maybe revisit our top 13 well let me uh let me catch up on the rest of the series and those movies shall be watched. Or maybe I can just watch them on their own. Yeah. So uh, the premise behind the X-Files, obviously you thought it was just about aliens, which was the mythology of the series, but it revolved around the Federal Bureau of Investigation or FBI Special Agents Fox Mulder, played by David Duchovny, and of course Dana Scully, played by Jillian Anderson, who investigates the eponymous X-Files, which are marginalized, unsolved cases involving the paranormal phenomena. Mm-hmm. Mulder is a skilled criminal profiler, an ardent supernaturalist, and a conspiracy theorist who believes in the existence of the paranormal, whereas Scully, and herein lies the friction of the show, is a medical doctor and a skeptic who has been assigned to specifically analyze Mulder's discoveries. 
and debunk if she can. Right. Correct. So early in the series, both agents become pawns in a larger conflict to come to trust only each other and a few select other people, like the Lone Gunman, which would actually become its own spinoff show. Um, the agents also discovered an agenda of the government to keep secret the existence of extraterrestrial life. Mulder and Scully's shared adventures led them to develop a close platonic bond, which by series end developed into a romantic relationship, although even then kind of hinted at. Yeah. Not so very that, overt. That's what I was kind of worried about when we started watching it, right? Because it, it feels like there's a lot of tension going on. But I mean, like the tension was revolving around like Scully's place or her assignment in the X-Files, right? Yeah, there's 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 tension at the professional level. And then there's ten- that's placed on them. And then there's tension prof- uh, professionally from and personally from her background as a medical doctor and a forensic doctor who is thinking about this stuff rationally and Mulder is trying to think about things, you know, more supernaturally and open-minded, you know? And so there's a friction there, right? Always the skeptic versus the believer. And then there's that other friction is the will they, won't they, which Mm -hmm. is of course a classic trope in anything to keep them people watching week to week. So it's got kind of like a three level onion type of situation here that kind of keeps the engine of the show going, which is all around Mulder and Scully. Only about a third of the series episodes follow that mythology about the aliens Mm -hmm. and stuff. And so there's that story arc, you know, and it's about an eventual planned alien invasion and the government's part in it. Whereas the other two thirds are monster of the week episodes that each focus on a one-off villain mutant or monster, which is the vast majority of what we've covered because I can't possibly show you all the mythology episodes because a lot of them are two parters where you'd have to understand this person or that person or this character or that bit point or subplot, you know, and there's a lot of stuff that interconnects like spaghetti with that stuff. Right. So luckily a lot of the best episodes, of course, when you're rating a series are standalone in that regard. Um, So if you look at IMDb or you look at all these awards, a TV guide and, you know, the AV club and empire and whatever the fuck, Mm -hmm. like they're all going to have their um, opinions on the show overall. And then individual episodes. And a lot of those are those standalone episodes because of course they're also two thirds of the episodes. Well, and I feel like, I mean, any good show would have a little bit of both, right? Like Buffy is like that. Right. Very much. Although I have to say like a lot of the mythology episodes are some of the scariest ones. Right. And so if you're happy with like the tone that X-Files struck um, and we watched maybe one of the mythology with the pilot, you know, episodes. And if you're like happy with overall the vibe of of X-Files, then I would definitely say power through it. You know, I think you'll enjoy it. And some of those uh, one of the most memorable horror moments to me is from one of those mythology episodes, actually. Well, I think some of the best things about this show really are those two characters. The thing that makes me want to watch the show the most is the dynamic between the two of them, the way their dialogue is written, and just the way those two actors work together, right? It's very seamless, and just it makes it really easy to watch. Episodes sort of just fly by for like hour-long television. They do not seem very long at all. Yeah, and I think that that friction, you know, the, the multiple layers of friction really help you know, the engine of the show. And then also Carter really intentionally looked at uh, what worked and what didn't work and shows like the twilight zone and uh, night gallery tales from the dark side, twin peaks. Yeah. And especially Kochak, the night stalker, which was a show in the mid seventies about a guy like doing the weird paranormal type of stuff back then. I, I'd never seen that show. He was a detective, right. Who um, had, there was a TV movie of, of Kochak and then they eventually made it into a series. Okay. So, yeah. 
It's good. And so when, when he created the main characters, Carter sought to reverse the gender stereotypes to again make an interesting draw by making Mulder the believer and Scully the skeptic. Whereas like the gender constructs would say that, oh, the, the woman is going to be like the more open-minded believer and the man is going to be the more rational skeptic, right? But they reversed it very, very smartly. And it makes these characters very, very interesting. I do love me a Scully for sure, though. <laughs> God damn it. God damn it. She does make that face. So like while we were watching these episodes, like Chris would say that uh, Scully makes all these faces that seem to say God damn it all the time. And she really does. Like it fits perfectly in every single fucking episode, sometimes multiple times an episode. It really cracked me the fuck up. Right. If you look for it and you just see that look of a slight exasperation in her face, you just go, God damn it. (laughs) It makes every episode almost like you could do a drinking game, actually. You really could. And rarely there's a Mulder, goddammit. Rarely. Yeah. But if you can find it, goddammit. And she right. gives those goddammit faces to not to more than just Mulder. So she she's like to everybody. She's like, you. You know what I mean? Like all the fucking time. I love it. So initially X-Files was considered a cult series, but it turned into a pop culture touchstone that tapped into the public mistrust of governments and large institutions and embraced conspiracy theories and spirituality. Both the series itself and the lead actors, Duchovny and Anderson, received multiple awards and nominations. And by its conclusion, the show was the longest running science fiction series in U.S. television history at that time until I think Stargate SG-1 had 10 seasons. But I think X-Files now has like that 11. So I don't know. Hmm. It's interesting. I'm trying to think of other specifically science fiction TV series. And like the ones that I can think of are not that long. Well, Doctor Who would be much longer. Well, yeah. Like 30 seasons or something. If you talk about about all the different shows for it. Uh, If if you start adding all the spinoff shows for things, then probably Stargate would still win. Uh, But X-Files with 11 seasons is technically, I think, longer than, than that. So... I mean, spin-offs of Star Trek. If you put all the Star Trek together, sure, and then it wins, you know. Who knows? Who cares, really? No, I mean, like, they're all different is the thing, so it really doesn't matter. It just speaks to the success is what we're trying to get at, right? For sure. But uh, other shows whose showrunners and other creators cited uh, direct inspiration from X-Files included, like, Strange World, The Burning Zone, Special Unit 2, Mysterious Ways, Lost, Dark Skies, The Visitor, Fringe, Warehouse 13, Supernatural, Gravity Falls, 11th Hour, and Bones, of course. Joss Whedon stated that Buffy the Vampire Slayer drew from the mood and coloring of the X-Files, as well as from its occasional blend of horror and humor, and described his show as, quote, a cross between X-Files and my so-called life. Can totally see that. Yep. Especially now after seeing it again, uh, after so much time. I can definitely see there's a couple episodes that do remind me of Buffy, uh, Buffy Monster of the Week episodes. There's an episode that we're going to be talking about directly in the list that when we watched it, I was like, this is total Buffy. Straight up. Yeah. Yeah. So another uh, piece of the legacy, I would say, is that um, because of Jillian Anderson's character, Scully, a lot of women went into law enforcement, specifically the FBI, and uh, went into medicine and cited Scully as their inspiration as a character. Because she is. She is a medical doctor who joined the FBI after her medical training. And she's not even really a foil because she's so fucking competent, you know? She can do her job. And, I mean, like, she is – she's there to be the skeptic at first, you know, but she's she's open to any sort of answer. You know what I mean? Of course. Like a good scientist would be. And she – it's like the – Mulder and Scully are like the interchangeable, you know, Sherlock and Watson. Very much. 
So uh, the series does have quite a bit of accolades to list. In 2013, TV Guide included it and on its list of the 60 greatest dramas of all time. In 2013, the Writers Guild of America ranked The X-Files number 26 on their list of the 101 best-written TV series of all time. Here, here. In 2008, Entertainment Weekly named it the fourth best piece of science fiction media. In 2007, Time included on their list of the 100 best TV shows of all time. Empire Magazine ranked The X-Files ninth on the best TV shows in history. The show was nominated for 12 Golden Globe Awards overall, winning five. The first nomination came in 1994 when the show won Best Series for Drama. The following year, Anderson Duchovny were nominated Best Actor in a Leading Role and Best Actress in a Leading Role, respectively. I remember when it won that Golden Globe for Best Drama Series because I was just like, now what? Yep. So... Um, and the X-Files received prestigious awards over its nine-year run, totaling in 62 Emmy nominations and 16 wins out of that. Yeah, so a lot, right? This is this is an important series, and I had forgotten that. And so I did all this research just to make sure that we got it right when we talked about X-Files for kind of the first and maybe even the last time. But it's such an important series, not just for science fiction, but also for horror and for pop culture. I mean, having not even seen the show until then, I know that it had earned its place in pop culture for sure. And it was all over media. Like one of my favorite Simpsons episodes is an X-Files episodes where Scully and Mulder are coming to like investigate an alien sighting in Springfield. You know what I mean? So it yeah. was literally everywhere and continues to be. And I think that people look back on the show fondly. And some people are discovering it for the first time. Yeah. Like me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, do you want to get into our list? Oh my God, do I. Let me open this drink. Overall, we watched, I, I just compiled a bunch from like the top, from my own memory, from our patrons that helped us out, um, also from IMDb ratings, and then also from a bunch of top 10s and top 20s from around. And then there was this rash, after we had already done all that, uh, there was this rash of articles that came out in September, because we started this like in August yep. or before July, maybe. And uh, there was this rash of articles that came out with the best X-Files episodes ever because of its 30 year anniversary, which was crazy. And so because um, we didn't, you know, think about it. And so we were surprised by that. And so I was able to really kind of put together this this list really super intentionally. And then we watched I watched about probably 23 uh, or 26 episodes total. You probably watched 20. Of those. Oh, wow. I watched that many. Yeah. We have been watching since mid-August. So Yes. Yeah. And so we've been kind of diligently making our way through this list. And so what we've done is we haven't ranked these as far as like best episodes, the least best within a top 13. This is literally the top 13 episodes in their watch order. Okay. And right. We're going to tell you what season and what episode they are. So first off, we're going to start with we kind of are obligated to do so because there is such a strong pilot so this is episode one season one and it's just named pilot as far as i know two fbi agents assigned to the same cases for different reasons no explainable cause of death do you have a theory you believe in the existence of extraterrestrials one a skeptic one a believer both trying to answer questions that were never meant to be uncovered i think those kids have been abducted by who by what Seal this up. Nobody sees or touches this. Distinguishing features indicate subject is not human. 
You've got to trust me. I gotta know what they're protecting. Hold it right there. Between reality and fantasy. You've got to protect me. Terror and reason. Alder, what are they? Trust and betrayal. The X-rays and pictures. Lie the chilling secrets. Alder, is that you? Of the X-Files. Agent Mulder, what are his thoughts? Agent Mulder believes we are not alone. The X-Files, a new dramatic series premiering Friday, September 10th on Fox. This is the intro to the X-Files. You know, there's a story about, you know, introducing Mulder as, you know, spooky Mulder, who used to be one of the best profilers in the FBI, caught a couple of serial killers that way, and then got obsessed with the supernatural and got put into the basement. It has to do with the X-Files. Meanwhile, he's starting to annoy the wrong people in Washington. And so they recruit Scully, which is a new recruit into the FBI, but also a medical doctor uh, and somewhat accomplished academically. And so they assign her to kind of debunk unofficially, you know, to be his partner, but also debunk his work and had a rational scientific eye. Um, And so that is the premise of the show. And it kicks off very, very quickly into the story uh, of uh, one of our only mythology episodes on this list, which is kind of kicking off the idea of uh, alien abduction. Mm hmm. Yep, this episode was focusing on aliens and UFOs at the very, very least. Uh, the thing that struck me the most about this episode while watching it was what, like, we've already talked about how, like, The X-Files has influenced other science fiction that came after it, right? Or at least science fiction television. Sure. But I feel like, especially in the pilot episode, you can see where this was influenced by things that came before it. And for me, namely, The Silence of the Lambs. Like it had a very silent to the lambsy kind of feel to it, look to it a little bit. And with things like profiling and catching serial killers, a very intelligent woman, like rising up the ranks of the FBI. I was just like, I feel like this series, if yeah. maybe just this episode, it was just a little bit of yeah, gratitude. It's like late Manhunter and early David Fincher. Yeah. You know, it's, it's really kind of in that middle space. And I think that's very intentional. And I think it's, I, you know, I think they've taken from it as much as it's taken from, from them. That's true. But I think that's a really good point. And this was written or this was directed by Robert Mandel and uh, written by Chris Carter, which is of course the showrunner. And so I don't know that there's, there's much more to this other than like they find, you know, a catatonic guy. There's like women that are disappearing into the forest. Turns out it's the guy that was comatose that was bringing the, <laughs> the women into the forest and there's a big swirly wind and light that comes down and it's and they never really show they always are careful you know starting with a pilot to make it kind of ambiguous or when it's not ambiguous scully gets knocked down or something and can't see (laughs) (laughs) so it's kind of like a, a a trope that happens in the show a lot well, I mean, and as you pointed out while we were watching it, and then I got to see firsthand throughout some other episodes, we are introduced to like, like the the way that the show looks throughout of it, right? Because you're talking about like X Files lighting and the fucking forest yes. and stuff like that. I mean, the forest is well lit, yeah, and but from behind always to create that spooky Mulder type of atmosphere, right? Yeah, and it's always misty and stuff. And this you can tell when they're shooting in Vancouver the first like two or three seasons, and then they switch to like Southern California mm. and things get a little more deserty, you yeah. know? And so it's like, I don't know, like I, I really like the the vibe in Vancouver that they were that they were able to do, you know, with all the mist in the forest and everything else. Um, but you can definitely tell. I mean, like there's there's nothing better than a forest full of like backlit pine trees to really create mood. 
So, yeah. And they do have that X-Files lighting. Some some giant light is bright behind the trees. <laughs> and you're supposed to think it's the moon, but then you see the moon on the other side of the sky. And it's like, okay. I mean, so you suspend your disbelief. This is the days before widescreen OLED screens, you know, where you can see good picture quality and good contrast ratios. The contrast ratios on TV are now like an average of a million to one versus back then on those cathode ray tube fucking TVs that we were all watching. It's like a hundred to one or something like that, which is just astronomically different. Well, I mean, and from the get, like the show looks good. Cause you, you watch know? Buffy today and it's like oh. daylight in those fucking graveyards. Yes. I mean that first season of Buffy watching it now, I'm just like, Oh, good Lord. Yeah. You know? And also, but I feel like Buffy, which came later, like that first season of Buffy doesn't look as good as like the first season of the X-Files are the episodes that I've seen of it, right? It's true. So, yeah. It went a long way. And then Angel looked even better than Buffy, obviously. Sure. But yeah. um, Buffy was always meant to be that, you know, four by three versus X-Files was actually able to get upscaled very well into kind of widescreen. And I will say, and I'm sure that we can do this for these episodes as we talk about them, since we're not fully ranking, like, while I thought the pilot was really good, I thought the things that it did best was sort of like introduce its characters in the premise. Like the story itself was kind of like flat to me compared to some of the other episodes that we watched afterward. True, but it's just it's doing so much to kind of describe the premise of like, who, where, what's our setting and who are our characters and what are they there for? And then put, getting them very quickly on the ground. Yeah. You know, on the scene. You know, and uh, giving us a lot of different mysteries, like the car, like get that just like loses power on the highway and they have to like stop and then they lose like 16 minutes of their time Mm -hmm. or whatever. And they just kind of wake up and there's like all those weird mysteries that you never really know the answer to throughout the show, which just like drives the intrigue even more, you know, it's super effective for lots of reasons. And I would say that like its inclusion on this list is a lot of it just because of its importance for sure. For sure. Uh, so number two, and this is a, a very well represented season, I have to say, on this list, because the first uh, five episodes of this list are from season one. That's right. And our next entry actually has two episodes in it. Yeah. So this is kind of cheating, but it's uh, Squeeze and it's and its later counterpart in season one called Tombs. It awakens once every 30 years to kill. Undetermined points of entry. Each victim had their liver removed. But this time... Position 10 requesting backup. Two FBI agents... Oh my God, Mulder. ...will be waiting for it. <laughs> the X-Files, an all-new episode, Friday at 9, 8 central. And so this is about that Gumby kind of protean killer who eats lovers and takes trophies from his victims and he can sort of like stretch himself a la mr fantastic yeah he can like make himself flat like a little roach or something and mm-hmm. yeah he's kind of protean he can change himself and um get into tight spaces and that's how he breaks and he can get in between cracks and doors and stuff and kill people and he like kind of subsists on people's like liver enzymes and stuff and then he goes and like nests under escalators and shit uh, for like 60 years or 30 years or whatever the hell it is. And he's it's like it or something like that. And it's it was done really, really, really well. And it's really icky. Uh, and it's a really good example of Monster of the Week um, because this is a competent killer. Uh, it shows the the justice system kind of failing for the for some sometimes in the X-Files just that, that doesn't cut it, you know, because they're trying to come at it from an FBI kind of point of view. And then like the legal system that they're a part of doesn't really doesn't come really equipped to deal with some of these people. You know, if they manage to actually, you know, get them behind bars or something. That's true. And I feel like between the two of these episodes, I like Tombs a lot better, right? Because, like, it was revisiting a character that we had already, like, gotten to know just a little bit. 
and seeing what happens when they're like actively trying to track him down and putting this mystery like the pieces of this mystery together to solve it right one thing i like about squeeze though is that it's just like another trope within x-files is that they don't always save the day in fact most of the time i would say at least half the time they don't it ends on kind of like a oh shit well we were just here to witness this type of situation well, I think they kind of have to do that in this yeah. show, because if they saved the day, then that would bring a lot of validation to the X-Files department of the FBI. And what does that do to the show? You know, like yeah. making them the underdogs. And they the might save lives, good. you know, and save yes. harm, but they don't really solve much, you know. And I think they have to do that by design. Yes. Like, honestly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Speaking of which, that next one, which is uh, our number three pick, which is season one, episode eight called ice deep beneath the arctic circle an ancient terror sleeps nothing can survive for a quarter of a million years waking it was their first mistake trying to stop it could be their last the x-files don't watch it alone put it down friday at nine eight central and this is the thing episode and when we say the thing episode we mean like john carpenter's 1982 the thing correct because it is very arctic yeah. And so this is uh, directed by David Nutter and written by Glenn Morgan and James Wong. Mm-hmm. It's on here because it's on like everyone's fucking lists. It's highly rated on IMDb. We both really liked it, although it's one of your least favorites, I'd say, on this list as far as compared to maybe some real relative to some others. Yeah. So, I mean, like relative to some things that are going to be coming up later on in the in the in the 13, like, yeah, I I disliked it. Um more than those it was still a very good episode right and at first i was worried that it was going to be way too much like carpenter you know and i was just like we've already seen a carpenter movie but it wasn't like it's its own story and i'm glad that it paid a little homage but like was different yeah and there's this weird trope that every once in a while they just like they want to play with their toys in a different sandbox and they pick up Mulder and Scully and they place them in fucking Antarctica, you know, randomly. And they're like, oh, we just got this random assignment and it happens to be an X-File. You know, that happens a couple of times throughout the series and it's kind of annoying, right? And so I was hesitant about putting this in there, but it's just such a good example of kind of an, a monster of the week that's very, very different. And they're uh, able to do a lot of different things and experiment with their, you know, genre bending style in the show. And maybe I just haven't seen enough of those types of episodes, but I feel like having them go to these different places randomly and whatnot, I mean, just keeps the episodes fresh sometimes. It changes the series up a little bit, at least. Yeah, it does. But I, I really want them to like kind of respect the the material. Be like, if they're assigned to the X-Files, then assign them to the X-Files and then like don't try and hang a lantern on, you know, oh, we're randomly assigned to this Antarctic, you know, nonsense. Mm-hmm. So anyway, it's a parasite that was living in that one of the ice cores that they got from 60,000 years under or 600,000 years under. Who cares? You know, and it kind of possesses people and they have to figure out how to like unpossess themselves. And then without, you know, killing each other because it makes you like a stark raving mad murdering machine. Right? It does. I mean, I thought it was a good episode. And I, I feel like this is one where some of the guest stars in it were were good. Yeah. Right. And I feel like this is one that had like some famous people in it. Right, that lady from Desperate Housewives was in this, who later went on to win an Academy. Felicity Award. Huffman. Felicity Huffman, yeah, yeah. 
And so like, that was also fun, like <laughs> watching the X-Files and just pointing out these people, like either as they were becoming very famous or way before they or even caused famous. them to be famous that we'll talk about a little bit later. Like mm-hmm. I didn't even show you episodes where like, Kathy Griffin was randomly in an episode. You I know? mean, that's crazy to me. But so we're watching this episode and I was like, Felicity Huffman, you know, I was like, she went on to win an Oscar, you mm-hmm. know, but like, it was just neat to see that. Next up, we've got number four, Beyond the Sea. Agent Scully is looking for a serial killer. I know what you want. And the most notorious prisoner on death row. You're putting yourself in danger. Is the only one who can help her. He could have been setting you up. You could be dead right now. The X-Files. He's getting ready to kill. An all-new episode, Friday at 9, 8 Central. And this is episode 13 of season one, which is pretty early to start a reversal because this episode shows that Scully is a believer. Kind of in uh, two different things because her father is passes away mm-hmm. in this episode and brad Dourif is also in this episode in an excellent guest starring role as a psychic serial killer or oh, a serial yeah. killer who positions himself as psychic it's a little amb- amb- ambiguous but at the end of the day the audience is meant to believe him scully believes him because he is talking about very very personal things about her father who had just passed and Mulder is the one that's saying he is lying he is not a psychic this is someone that i profiled before i got into the x-files And he is now trying to profile me and get back at me. And he just wants to get off of death row. And so they're trying to work with this, this uh, psychic serial killer to help catch a different one. Right. So it's kind of silency of the lambs a little bit, but with a supernatural bend to it. And I think that's a really, really special and interesting episode. I thought this episode was great. I thought that Brad Dourif was great. He's always great. I love Brad Dourif. Um, I mean, especially when he's playing a role like this. I mean, like this this role for Brad Dourif was kind of reminiscent to his work in Exorcist 3. Yeah, yeah. Exorcist 3, he was also the voice of Chucky. And he's also Wormtongue in Lord of the Rings. A bunch of different things. So, um, and you're right. Like, it does have a little, like, silency moments in this particular episode. But I really, really enjoyed, like, Gillian Anderson's work in this she's always so fucking good can we talk about Julie Anderson for two seconds oh god yes please she is just like one of the best actresses I think living yeah I mean like post the X-Files and she's she's very good in this like every single episode but post the X-Files she has continued to do just really really good work and show up in places that you might not think you know that she would go like she played Margaret Thatcher in The Crown and just got all the fucking praise for that. And she was so good. She was in American gods as media. And, uh, she was also in bleak house because she was, I think, um, born and raised, I think in in England. So she was able to do both accents and then she kind of grew up in America. Mm -hmm. So she always had access to both accents. So she could just like flip a switch depending on do interviews, depending on where she is and what show she's on. And so she was really naturally able to kind of break in after X files into the kind of London film scene. Right. And she's just great. Every time I see her in something, I am just like sort of flabbergasted at like the kind of performances that she gives and the work that she does. She's a very, very gifted actress and can do anything like her comedic work in the X-Files or some of the funnier episodes, at least the ones that I've seen. I'm just like, she's really fucking hilarious, you know? And in Beyond the Sea, she has some real like dramatic moments. And I feel like for a series like this to have a character that does 
you know, or to allow that kind of dramatic work to happen within the first season is just like really, really good. And that's the kind of thing that would hook somebody, at exactly. least me. Yeah. So. It gets you invested in the characters for sure. Once you really oh, yeah. get some hooks on their personal lives and stuff. Yeah. And there's a lot of that stuff in the, uh, uh, the episodes for, in the series really overall for both characters, you missed a lot of that. This was a hint of it. Oh, good. I yeah. mean, so when I go back and start watching, like I, I really look forward to seeing more of like, Gillian Anderson's character Scully and like her acting like just increasing get better as the whole thing goes by number five is darkness falls which is one of my picks as I don't think it's on anyone else's list this is season one episode 20 our final season one episode on this list deep in the forest a killer has slept for 500 years come from the sky take a man devour him alive this Friday the terror awakens Ah! be safe as long as we stay in the light and Agent Scully and Mulder will be its next victims the X-Files Friday at 9 8 central and these are the fireflies that emerge from ancient trees that were cut down uh, and they hunt and cocoon people like kind of like spiders, but they swarm, right? This is the one with the eco-terrorists who came by and then all those, um, the company of uh, like loggers, loggers were cutting down the wrong trees, the ancient ones. And so it was releasing these things from some sort of, you know, prehistoric, you know, world or something. And so these things were, and they had to kind of solve how and why they were swarming and attacking people and how they were going to get out of there kind of trapped in an open space, you know, and have to kind of, uh, kind of get into a survival thing, almost like episode uh, that we talked about with ice, mm-hmm. but in kind of a different area. And they had to kind of, uh, partner with local law enforcement and, uh, the eco terrorists all to just kind of band together so they could sur- survive the ordeal. And they didn't really solve anything there, but they did figure out what was happening. And so it was a super creepy and interesting, you know, idea for an episode. And I think they pulled it off quite nicely. I would agree. I liked this episode. I thought that it was creepy. And like, I think some of the effects, especially like the corpsey effects were really kind of gross and gnarly. And the thing that I like most about this episode is that it actually puts, not that they weren't in the past, like, you know, four episodes that we've talked about or four slots, but it really puts them in harm's way. In this one, like yeah. it seems like they could actually die. Well, I know? loved the, the 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 writing here, and this is of course Chris Carter again writing. Um, and they sh- they kind of reveal that these things that are attacking are all over you all the time. They you know they turn off the light and the they can see the the glowing things all over their skin and their faces. Mm-hmm. And that realization was just kind of shocking in this. And then to realize like oh it's complete darkness that causes them to swarm and blah 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 right. And so it's just kind of a fascinating and interesting episode to to get through. That's right. And I mean while paranormal enough because of what was doing and like the 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 age of some of these creatures like these creatures seem kind of grounded in reality like they are insects you mm-hmm. know what I mean so it's just like something very very tangible and believable yeah. for them to have to fight you like know? mites yeah or yeah something. it seemed like it could happen yeah exactly right i mean we're not talking about like aliens or like some sort of monster like these are just little insects that came out of we cut the wrong tree and look they're still in there kind of thing and i'm like that could happen i'm sure mm-hmm. come on so number six is uh we're jumping all the way to season two episode 14 for this and this is the first time that kim manners is a director in the show uh at least on this list and this is also written by Glenn Morgan and James Wong, who um, we have enjoyed before with episodes like Ice and Beyond the Sea, mm-hmm. uh, as well as Squeeze and Tombs. And so they were really early season strong, you know, 
people making some of those best episodes. And so um, this is a, a really great combo. And this is, again, one of my picks that almost almost on no one else's list, but I really enjoy. And also the one that reminds us of Buffy so much. And it's called Die Hand Die Verletzt. And this is the witch episode. Friday. Look at the body. The eyes and heart have been cut up. The X-Files has taken you to some scary places in the past, but nothing could prepare you for where they're going next. May the lords of darkness. May the black powers of our forefathers make us strong. The X-Files. Friday at 9, 8 central. Witch! Witch! This is very, very, very Buffy to me. When we finished watching it, I was just like, Buffy! Like, all over it, right? And it, it helps that it takes place in a high school. It involves witchcraft, like, nefarious teachers and such and such. And so I was just like, this is super, super Buffy. And almost a little bit darker and more adult than Buffy, too. Like, in in because Buffy, at the end of the day, would... 90% of the time, you know, figure it out. You know what I mean? Mulder and Scully are there. And this is a perfect example of that episode where they just are there to witness. There is nothing they can do. This bitch is so far out of their league. She is running circles around them and then just leaves. And it says nice doing business with you on, or whatever on the chalkboard. So the thing that the X-Files does so well, at <laughs> least in the... <laughs> At least in the episodes that I have seen is that like they set up some of these monsters of the week to be so intriguing and so neat that you want them to come back. But as I have learned from you, that doesn't seem to happen. Not all the time. Tombs was an exception. Right. And, and so was the pusher guy later on. And so but like this witch was really cool. And I was just like, I would have liked to have seen this witch come back on other episodes to give Mulder and Scully another chance, yep. you know? But um, I don't know. It's clear that like Whedon must have taken a lot of inspiration from the X-Files, especially when it comes to episodes like this, because it felt very much like a Buffy episode. It felt like a Buffy location. It felt like a Buffy kind yeah. of storyline. High school, high school students. Exactly. You know? Except but, the focus was more on Mulder and Scully and their parents. Exactly. So, I mean, like, it's it's still, like, more grounded in the adult world. And so it, you could almost imagine, like, Whedon watching this, like, well after the Buffy movie had come out. And he's like, you know what? Let's try to make a series mm-hmm. or something. Yep. So it was a good episode. What's next? Number seven, which is Humbug. Friday. A circus sideshow holds a terrifying secret. These tracks defied exact identification. Something so deadly it could destroy an entire town. Tell no soul that you're witnessing here. A brand new X-Files. Friday at 9, 8 central. And this is a lot of people's favorite. This is when they start getting a little fun sometimes. And this is also, I think, one of the first, if not the first, by written by Darren Morgan, who writes some of the more fun episodes that we are going to experience moving forward. And this is also directed by Kim Manners. So this episode is about the circus freaks. Yeah. Right? The traveling circus freaks that they go. And, of course, this is kind of more of their hometown, mm-hmm. I believe. And Mulder and uh, Scully are investigating some of these weird, interesting murders. And this is starring one of our favorite character actors, Vincent Chiavelli, who we talked about back when we did the movie Ghost. That's right. He's so good in Ghost. And Batman Returns. And Batman Returns. Um, so this is when... I firmly planted myself as a fun X-Files episode. Oh, this guy. is the little Muppety side guy or yeah. whatever. This is the fucking, yeah, this is the fucking appendage <laughs> guy. And like the, the whole episode was very tongue in cheek. I was laughing throughout it. And I was I think this is the first time 
that I found myself like laughing at an episode that you have shown me. And I was just like, oh my God, this show is so good. Yeah. When it's a little goofy. Itself. Yeah. Yeah. Because I was already going, God damn it. You know? Yeah. <laughs> no, that was funny. But I mean, like the episode itself was, was funny. And I, I don't think I realized that like these two actors were going to have some like really comedic moments in the show. And I was just like, I really, really enjoyed this episode. And it sort of like set the stage for the episodes that I liked the most that you showed me. And yeah. so like why I really enjoy it when it's like serious, I really, really enjoy it when it's not, you know, I just feel like these actors just work in those situations and maybe it's the writing. So maybe I can credit, credit this guy as Darren Morgan, because like some of the episodes that we're going to be talking about, pretty quickly coming up were some of my favorites that we watched. I would agree. And I think it's just part of like the exhale of the show, right? Like when you, when you have any kind of long form storytelling, you need a breathing moment. And like, this is almost like a breathing moment for the series overall. And it gets a couple of these and it needs it because the Dex files can be very heavy and very dark and it can involve child murder and rape and all mm -hmm. kinds of weird shit, you know, all over the place. And so it needs a little bit of levity from time to time to provide contrast to those other moments. And it does that so well. And I feel like, again, I mean, I, I don't want to keep comparing the show to Buffy, you know, but Buffy's something that I've seen every single episode of and, and multiple times. Um, I feel like Buffy's kind of the opposite. I feel like Buffy makes a lot of like really goofy kind of funny episodes and it's more serious ones are kind of far and few in between. Right. So it's just like, sure, sort of like a mirror opposite of this particular show. Right. But on the flip side, some of my favorite episodes of Buffy are very, very serious. You That's know what true. I mean? So, yeah, I don't know. It was just a weird. But even them, they have their moments of comedy, you know, like Conversations with Dead People is one of my favorite episodes yeah, of yeah. Buffy, you know. But I mean, like, Humbug was good. And I mean, like, having the freaks in there was was great. Like, I, I know we probably shouldn't say that word, but I mean, these, these were some actual, like, carnival or circus freaks freak acts in this episode mm -hmm. and i don't know just like the interactions between i'm proud of it it was like a template for freak show later on you know american mm -hmm. horror story freak show yeah probably and i mean i just like the interactions between Mulder and scully and these people were really really good like i had a good mystery to it it started off well like humbug is a really good episode and from here on out like um you know, we're, we're going to have a little bit more of those comedy episodes, like more and more and more. Right. And so also from this point, like we're getting into the third season now, which we have is the second most represented uh, season, I think, um, besides the first. And this is the season that a lot of people think that like was peak X-Files, right? Like seasons one through three. Right. And so the third being like that, that bell curve height. And uh, the AV Club even said it was possibly the best season of television of all time. My two favorite episodes that you showed me out of everything that I watched, if it was 20 or a little less than that, come from this season. Okay. So. And this is – the characters are super well established. You know, so everyone's really in their comfort. It's like putting on a, a pair of old shoes at this point. And we get things like number eight, Clyde Bruckman's Final Repose, season three, episode four. How do you catch a serial killer? It's kind of creepy, isn't it? Who can see into the future. Something is telling me this guy's for real. He knows your every move. Can't wait till our first meeting when I kill you. And knows exactly how you'll die. What does he see? He sees you. A brand new X-Files, Friday at 9, 8 central. And this is one of the best episodes of X-Files ever. Some people might say it's the best. So out of everything that you showed me, this was my favorite episode. Yeah. 
Really? Like, I just fucking loved it. And this is about a psychic serial killer or a serial killer who thinks he's psychic that's killing other psychics. Mm-hmm. And it's about the inevitability of death. And uh, this is starring Peter Boyle as like the real psychic that's actually kind of knows everything what's going to happen. And there's this conversation throughout, which is about, like I said, the inevitability of death. And he's like, I see what happens. There's no getting around it. You get there anyway. You know yep, what I mean? No matter what you do. And he's very matter of fact and very kind of refreshing about it and resigned and kind of cynical. And it's just like what you would not expect a psychic to be. And so this episode won both an Emmy for outstanding writing and a drama series, as well as an Emmy for outstanding guest actor. And that's for Peter Boyle, which was great to see. He was and fucking this was, amazing in this. Uh, TV Guide's 100 greatest TV episodes of all time. Uh, well deserved i mean like peter boyle is just so good in this episode like from start to finish and he's in it a lot i think there are some just really really funny moments in this right with that with that other psychic right the tv psychic oh yeah who later on shows up in a commercial again later yeah, on a different like different episode too I think. yeah way different and so like i was just i don't know but for all the things that this movie got movie, this episode got praised for, um, I think is correct. Like the writing was really, really good. The acting was amazing. I thought that it looked great. Pacing was excellent. And for me, this entire episode was very Stephen King, like from start to finish. I feel like while we were watching it, I think I shouted that out at some point. I was yeah. like, this is like Stephen King. It's a Stephen King fucking title. Yeah. That's like the way that Stephen King would title something. It's the way he would write these and characters. this is another da- Darren Morgan written episode, by the way. I mean, it's just so King-esque without like making it too obvious, right? It's just kind of like an homage to Stephen King in lots of places. And I don't know. I just really, really enjoyed it. It stuck with me. I thought about it. I kind of, like after we were watching that set of episodes for the day, I kind of wanted to go home and watch it again. Yeah, it's really good. It's a repeat kind of watch, right? It's it's an excellent, excellent episode. Moving on to kind of in between <laughs> the next greatest episode, in your opinion, uh, is number nine, Pusher. This is season three, episode 17. He has the power to control your mind. He can make anyone do anything. Even turn an FBI agent against his own partner. Pull the trigger, Mulder. Fight him. I'm going to kill you. A brand new X-Files, Friday at 9, 8 central. This is kind of the Simon says, not psychic. We don't really know what operates his power. I think it was like a tumor or something that was able to kind of um, have him push his will on people through uh, eye contact and and staring. And he would make police officers, you know, pour gasoline on themselves and light themselves on fire. Yep. All kinds of weird shit. And it was kind of terrifying. This was written by Vince Gilligan. And of course, for people that don't know who that is, he would later go on to do a little show called Breaking Bad mm-hmm. and later on Better Call Saul. Right. And so this is one of his first, if not his first episodes. I liked this villain a lot. You know, I mean, obviously we have seen things like this before in film and TV. Like, I, I, this is another example of where I would like a villain to to come back. Right? He did. And we just oh, didn't right. watch it. We didn't show it. Yeah, we didn't watch that episode. <laughs> but I kind of, I would like to see that, you know? I completely forgot about it. And that's why we didn't watch it. Because <laughs> he was a really cool villain for them to, to uh, investigate. And only because, again, like, this is one of those episodes where I feel like Mulder and Scully, Mulder for sure is 
they're put in some very real danger, you know? And I, and, yeah. and while, you know, like, you know how long a TV show has lasted, you know, the character's not going to die, but if they do an episode well enough, you could even forget, you know, that this character is going to live, you know, and what's going to happen to them. So, I mean, it was good in that regard. He's a very dangerous kind of villain. At the same t- Oh yeah. At the same time, I think this was one of your least favorite relative to the rest on this list. But at the same time, like there's something for everyone in this series, right? And so I was I was just looking, I think, at IGN's list. I mm-hmm. think it was IGN uh, or Collider or someone that uh, put out their top 10 or top 20. And this was their number one episode of all time for really? Xbox was Pusher. Yeah. So this one kind of like falls along the like the lines of um, maybe like ice or squeeze, right? Like I, I didn't like the episode a lot, um, but I did like the villain. A lot. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I, I get what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Next up, we've got another Darren Morgan written episode, which seems to be your favorite. And this is Jose Chung's From Outer Space. And this, this is season three, episode 20. On a lonely road, two young people have a terrifying encounter. What are those things? But that's only the beginning. Where is she? Stealing my memories. <laughs> you never saw this. What do you want with us? This is not happening. A brand new X-Files Friday at 9, 8 central. This is so fucking hilarious. I don't, I, so I think out of all the episodes that you showed me, this is the one that I laughed at the most. And I feel like I laughed almost for the entirety of the episode. We did. And there was something that like got us guffawing. Cause it's like, this is a, an author and a science fiction author. I think that is going and interviewing Mulder and Scully because based on a, a thing that's happening around like a military, like a air force base or whatever. And it's like abductions are happening, but like, there's like a weird inception quality to the abduction. And yeah. it's like Rashomon quality of storytelling, you know, a little bit, which we'll get into soon with another episode where there's different perspectives of the story. And then uh, this author is talking about like the different people that he is interviewing. And one of the guys, you know, he says he, he was given a manuscript of what happened. Yeah. And the quote had us dying. I think we had to pause the episode because he's like, I don't know which was more disturbing, his description of the sex orgy or the fact that the whole thing was written in screenplay format. The fucking actor. So the actor who plays that that writer who's interviewing Scully for all this, like getting Scully's point of view or whatever and account of the like that goings on was just so fucking hilarious. Like his performance was great. Right. Charles yeah. Nelson Riley. Mm hmm who I know I've heard that name a lot. I just don't know where. Like Mostly Broadway. Bye Bye Birdie, Hello Dolly, uh, How to Succeed in Business Without Really Trying, a bunch of that stuff. And I feel like he has something to do on like radio or PBS and stuff like that, you know, like, but he was just fucking delightful in this episode. And Scully was delightful in this episode. Their interactions, just their conversations of his interview was just so funny. And just everything that happened in it was, was just, fucking great just gold so yeah this was my second favorite of everything you showed me i just fucking loved it empire magazine ranked the x-files ninth best tv show in history further claiming that the best episode was the third season entry jose chung's from outer space i mean so listeners take it from me like an x-files newbie okay if you are just looking for random episodes to watch something funny like this one is the way to go and if you want something that's just like a really, really good piece of like television standalone episode, if you only watch one, you know, Clay Buckman is so good. But at the same time, like this is this list was highly, you know, like very intentionally cultivated so that you could watch and get your introduction. 
kind of see how Mulder and Scully are kind of naturally in the wild and then like get more and more, you know, weird and interesting episodes as you go through this list. And you did. And so like we, we sort of watched these in air order, correct? Yeah, we did. And that's what this list is. And so like the stuff that comes after these, like this is what cemented the fact that I'm, I'm eventually going to watch all these episodes, right? Like Mm -hmm. the list was, was, Picked and tailored to watch in such a way that really got me interested in like everything. Like now I have to be a completionist, right? Mm. So I just, I just love this fucking episode. Next up, number 11, we've got Home. This is from season four, episode two. Remember the house your parents warned you to stay away from? This Friday. Oh my God. You'll understand why. This is our home, and this is the way it's gonna stay. Mulder! Brand new X-Files, Friday. This is directed by Kim Manners and written by Glenn Morgan and James Wong. Uh, from, you know, one of our, some of our favorite combos from very early in the uh, uh, series with uh, season one episodes, a bunch of those. And so this is kind of a return to form for like Monster of the Week type of situation. Mulder and Scully kind of uh, go out, uh, out of, you know, out of state and, and, and fly in to this place where someone has found like a very strange body, you know, of a, of a baby. Right. Mm-hmm. And so this is the episode that a lot of people say is like maybe the scariest. It's not, uh, or maybe the darkest it could be yeah. because there's a lot of weird, like inbreeding stuff going on. Um, there is some horror and there's some very nasty kind of imagery and, and stuff going on. And this was also a banned episode in several countries, I believe. And so it's got a lot of intrigue for the wrong reasons. I think don't go into this one thinking is kind of that, that shocking Remember, this was probably banned like in 1994 or something, you know, I don't know, or in Qatar or something. I don't know. Well, and that's the thing is that like whenever we were talking about doing this episode finally, I was just like, well, I'm sure that home is going to be somewhere on the list because every time I see like one of those listicles about like the most shocking episodes of television and things like that, like home is always on the list, if not near the top. It's of it. got a lot of reason. And like, I know that we've seen so much and we're a horror podcast and you ended that episode by going like, what really, you know? And I'm just like a still though, like you've, you've gotten the episode opens with a bunch of inbred guys burying their, their, <laughs> their mother's child with them in like a sand lot, mm-hmm. you know, and then the next day this kid steps on it and it bleeds out into the ground. And then later, you know, Scully's trying to find like this woman they think that they've captured, which ends up being their mother. And she's a quadriplegic underneath the bed, you know, and there's like these traps and there's gore and there's nasty, like they're hunting down the policemen and there's lots of blood spreading and there's lots of really good horror moments. And I, and I just feel like, um, I don't want it discounted just because it's not so as shocking as you would hope it to be. You know? Well, and that's the thing is that like, and I, I've said this before on the podcast and I think we've talked about it even as recently as talking about like Salem, right. Or hundred, 120 days of Sodom or whatever. Yeah. Like you, you start to like see things on lists all the time and it builds all this intrigue and I've got to stop like expecting the most shocking of shocking things because you're right. Like at the end of the day, I'll take it with a trough of salt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because I mean, at the end of the day, this was on network television in the early 90s, you know, like they couldn't show anything that was going to be truly shocking. But I will say, like compared to everything else on this list, it is the most horrific. Right. 
I mean, at least a very certain kind of horror. Mm-hmm. And like the 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 makeup effects in this episode are really really good. Like the creep, the creepy inbreeders look very wrong turn ish before wrong turn was even a thing, you know. But yeah, and I did not see a quadriplegic coming into the entire mix, you know. So I feel like I feel like I need to just avoid anything called a listicle in the future <laughs> for my own good. A listicle. A listicle. I even like that word. Well, next up is one of my favorite personal favorites, and that is number 12, Bad Blood. This is from season five, episode 12. Do you believe in creatures of the night? Well, it's obviously not a vampire. Well, why not? Because they don't exist. You have the right to remain silent. I know my methods may seem a little odd to you. Huh? The X-Files. Huh? Oh, shit. An all-new episode Sunday on Fox. A Vince Gilligan episode, of all things. I would have expected Darren Morgan. Um, but this is the Vampires episode. And of course, it stars Luke Wilson. Luke Wilson. Yeah. Uh, and this is also kind of a Rashomon episode where you're getting Scully's uh, interpretation of events and Mulder's retelling of events. And it's filmed as such. And so you get to see like Boulder's view uh, of this character. And it's like he's got buck teeth and everything else. Yeah. And then Scully's <laughs> view of this character is that he's like a fucking hunk. Yeah. And so you get this visual re- retelling of the story and it's just great. And it's just uh, from beginning to end. They don't solve shit anyway because it's like this. They, they are way out of their league again with this town full of fucking vampires. They don't realize it's a town full of vampires. Uh, and it's just great from, from beginning to end. I love this episode. It's, it's hard to explain. Uh, and I think that's probably for the best though. I mean, like some of the good, like really comedic moments in this episode, like you can spoil very easily, but yeah, I, I feel like this is another episode that's like comedy gold with just excellent acting from our two leads and all the guest stars. Right. Yeah. Like this has that kid from the Sandlot in it. Right. And, <laughs> and the, the, the weird details about like, oh, that if you drop sunflower seeds on the ground or leave shoes untied or something like they have to go and tie them or they have to pick up all the sunflower seeds or something. And like yeah. Boulder does that. And he's like, why would you go into that? Exactly. You know? <laughs> I mean, it's so funny. And I kind of like the episodes where Mulder gets to sort of pontificate on his like knowledge of the supernatural. And he's like, well, actually, this is what vampires really are. Blah, blah, blah. You know, I mean, like that's when Mulder is at his best. And I feel like in this particular one, we get to see David Duchovny really shine. Yes. Which is rare. He's <laughs> like, I mean, to say the least, I feel like Gillian Anderson is just a better actor than he is. Well, he's very dry delivery. And that's just the way he talks as yeah. a person, I think. But he's definitely had his great moments. And he's, you know, um, we're, we're going to get to some special mentions where he was maybe nominated. Oh, good. Yeah. I mean, because, I mean, like, we took the time to talk about Gillian Anderson. I feel like David Duchovny, you know, has should have some respect. As he's an almost actor, best at his best in comedy. Yeah, really. I feel like shows like Californication, but he gets like that, so you know? few, de- few, you know, opportunities to do that in X Files. It's true. I mean, because his character is written in such a way. This is just one of those episodes where I think that he gets to be knowledgeable and funny at the same time. And I think this is one of the best examples of like just the relationship of Mulder and Scully and how it could be funny you know i feel like by what this is season five by season five like they were comfortable with themselves right just as characters yeah so for number 13 and our last is arcadia which is a season six episode 15 
episode, and this is uh, directed by Michael Watkins and written by Daniel Arkin. Perfect house. I'm Rob. This is my lovely wife, Laura. Perfect neighbors. If we ever go undercover again, I get to choose the name. Perfect terror. Voted best dramatic series, best dramatic actress and actor by the readers of Entertainment Weekly. The X-Files, an all-new episode, Sunday at 9 on Fox. I don't enjoy this episode as much as a lot of our special mentions, um, but we just had to put it somewhere because it's actually one of your favorites. Yeah, I really it's a lot like of one of one. a lot of everyone's favorites. In fact, I think it's um, uh, at least maybe one of our patrons' uh, favorites that they really, really wanted us to include. And again, this one was kind of funny, you know what I mean, but also like serious in places, right? So they're they're going undercover in suburbia to figure out why families are going missing right right and this is of course like an hoa from hell yes you know episode which i i love now like i i really like again the dynamic between Mulder and scully in this because they're pretending to be a married couple yep. right and it, it gets super funny watching them do that and watching Mulder like sort of like rib on scully a little bit but um the thing that i disliked about this episode or what separated it from the others that I liked a lot more was that like the, the reasoning behind it, the mythology behind it, you know what I mean? It's just like kind of random, random and convoluted. Yeah. It's like some guy that was leader of the HOA went overseas and like found out how to, um, you know, summon this like creature or avatar to like kind of do his will, you know, of the earth or something, you know? And, uh, summons it can't unsummon it and they're all kind of stuck in that hoa mm-hmm. and if and if things aren't perfect at sundown you were gonna get fucking killed basically that's right but so very very funny and funny because it it is making fun of like a real life situation like hoas i'm sure i've never been a part of one are just horrible <laughs> but you have to stop and laugh at it exactly. so so we do have some honorable mentions and I, I want to quickly kind of go through them. And we watched uh, Anasazi, which is a season two episode 25 of mythology uh, season finale, where we get all the alien bodies in the bunker or like what we think might be aliens, but it turns out they might not be. And um, that has some interesting horror moments. And we get a little bit closer to like the smoking man, uh, which is a, an interesting and, and intriguing mainstay of the show. Uh, and then we've got the host, which used to be on the top 13 for a long time. And this is just a quintessential monster of the week episode. Season two, episode two has a creepy worm mutant in it. Uh, a lot of these are Chris Carter episodes that we ended up dropping. Uh, Memento Mori from season four. This is where uh, Jillian Anderson got her Emmy, but it's about her. It's basically the cancer episode. She gets cancer and talking about she's going to die. She's narrating it. And then at the end, of course, she survives. But it's like without the mythology, you don't understand it. So it could not be on this list yeah. and make sense uh, to, to make you watch that. And then there's one that I kind of wish was number 13, which is Small Potatoes. And uh, this is where Mulder was, uh, you know, David Duchovny was nominated for an Emmy. And this is about uh, also a TV guide's 100 greatest episodes of all time from 2013. Uh, small potatoes and so actually another one of our patrons wished for this one to be on our top 13 so i just had to mention it and this is the shapeshifter one who was shapeshifter one everybody. that was fucking everyone uh yeah. pretending to be you know other people <laughs> and mm-hmm. uh 
he was a big dum dum, and uh, they all the babies were born with tails. <laughs> and it was a funny episode. Yeah, I, I, I enjoyed that one. Yeah, that's also Vince Gilligan. And then Drive, another Vince Gilligan, which is basically Brian Cranston's Breaking Bad audition, because Brian Cranston had essentially been in only comedies. Uh, before this as far as i know and then they kind of got him in there vince gilligan wrote it saw how he did and brought him in later um you know to to do breaking bad and that's kind of all she wrote and so it's really really interesting to see um that episode's also very interesting and very different and unique x-files episode for a monster of the week it was a really really interesting concept yes yeah and um, uh, then we have How the Ghost Stole Christmas with Lily Tomlin and Ed Asner, which is only mentioned because it's so weird yeah. and out of place for X-Files and not really worth watching. No, I felt it was kind of tedious, actually. Yeah. And then we've got X-Cops, <sighs> which is definitely worth putting on the list if we had more room. And this is the Cops episode of X-Files, and it is literally just an episode of Cops. It's like and- watching Cops. But it has Mulder and Scully in it, which is great because it's like, how many times have we watched different TV shows, Buffy or or movies? And I just kept saying, like, I want Mulder and Scully to, like, just, like, walk around the corner and, like, start taking over or something. Hell yeah. Um, and this is like that. It was yeah. literally like watching an episode of Cops. It was so funny, too. Yep. And again, a very cool, like, concept. And that's season, season seven, episode 12. And finally, Mulder and Scully meet the Were Monster, which is from season 10. Uh, revival uh, episode and uh, this is about the uh, I guess the the monster that actually becomes human so it's like a were man that's right <laughs> and this one is the one that kind of made you cry and this is Darren Morgan coming back after 20 years to write an episode and he directed it as well there was something about this episode that was incredibly touching to me like I've I obviously as I've said several times in this episode, I have not seen all of the series, right? But by the time that we watched this, and this is one of the last episodes that we watched, um, I could understand what it would feel like for someone who has seen the X-Files, grew up with it, and loved it to have a reboot, right? And to have all these characters back and to be able to be with them again. And I don't know. I just found it really neat. And just like the idea of humanity is is talked about so much in this episode in a kind of a comedic sci-fi kind of way that it just, I don't know, it clicked with me. It made me, it made me laugh. It made me cry a little bit. And, you know, I was kind of sad that we had finished watching our X-Files episodes. <laughs> so, yeah, but there's so, yeah. there's literally like... 180 more episodes you can watch that you didn't watch yet. And I'm ready to do it. I'm almost about to cry right now, like thinking about it. So I was like, oh no, we're done. And we're going to have to record the, That's the, the top saddest 13. thing to me is that you didn't get to grow with this and you had the opportunity to do that, you know? And yeah. like, like you watched every episode of Buffy, which I didn't get to do, you know, but I was able to do a little bit of this. And so it's like, I really wish um, that you had been able to experience this as your, in your formative horror and genre years, if you had just known about it. Well, know? and that, I mean, how many times though, have I said that, you know what I mean? like all those shows on Nickelodeon right or like I didn't watch any of that Are You Afraid of the Dark I didn't read any Goosebumps or like Fear Street stuff I understand Are You Afraid of the Dark because you graduated to like adult horror very very early right for a lot of these things you know and so like and also I'm just not a big TV fan like the fact that I watched Buffy and loved it enough to watch it every single week I watched every single episode of Buffy on its air date you know and that is just not something that I've ever done in my life I've never been a TV kind of guy and um, aside from things like the simpsons you know but um 
like I'm going to go back and watch this show because I really like want to now. And it's and super accessible. You can just pick yeah. it up, you know, that's right. And it's Mulder and Scully are super like comfort food. <laughs> and I'm not, I'm not quite a binge type of person, but I can see myself staying up all night to watch the X-Files. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's going to happen. Right. But that's our top 13, you know, pilot squeeze ice beyond the sea. Darkness Falls, Dandy Verletzt, Humbug, Clyde Bruckman's Final Repose, Pusher, Jose Chung's From Outer Space, Home, Bad Blood, and Arcadia. I would say that's a good list. Well, I haven't seen all the other episodes, you yeah. know what I mean? But like, I feel for me, uh, a beginner, a newbie, right? I feel like I feel like these episodes are a really good indication of the range of this show. And uh, being able to l- let you get to know the characters without maybe showing you like all the mythology, like you say, or like the inner workings of the Bureau and stuff like that, yeah. which I am intrigued to go back and watch. Um, and some of these episodes that are on this list, I'm not going to skip over when I start watching the show again. Like some of these I actively want to watch again. I think that speaks kind of volumes of this. So it was a fun top 10 episode. Yeah. And I'd be interested to see what our listeners think of it. Cause I know that some of them are actually going through and watching them right now or have just finished binging the entire series. So let us know what we missed any of our top 13 or um, honorable mentions, not, you know, not include what your favorite episodes are. Let us know. Well, I think that just about wraps up this episode. And like Chris said, let us know what you think about the, our choices and let us know what your favorites were. You can do that on social media. Find us at the Film Flamers on Facebook, Instagram, Threads, X, all the places. You can email us at tiredqueens at filmflamers.com or call our hotline at 972-666-7733. Tell me about your orgy and screenplay form. God damn it. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> it was the best running gag. I swear <laughs> to God. Uh, that wraps up our 13 content here on the main feed, but we have one more 13 thing to talk about over on patreon.com slash the film flamers. We're going to be talking about the original William Castle's 13 ghosts. So head over there, join the Patreon family, get all those bonus episodes and these early. That's right. And try to find us on iTunes or Apple Podcasts or really anywhere you can review us. Leave us a review or rating. We're going to read all of our reviews on our next Shooting the Flames episode. Well, Robert, what are we doing next month? Well, it's November and time for families to start coming together for the holidays. And last year's November was so good and popular. We're going back to Gateway Horror. Oh my God, we are. Oh my God, indeed. Uh, We wanted to talk about Return to Oz and we're like, what do we pair it with? Well, duh. Wizard of Oz. That's right. It's also Gateway Horror. Mm Mm-hmm. So. And then over on Patreon, we're going to continue our poll with whatever you didn't choose last year. That's right. So when you join that Patreon family, make sure you look that poll. <laughs> well, Robert, I think I'm going to watch a little bit of X-Files before I can get some sweet, sweet dreams. dreams. Some final repose. Yes. <laughs> some Jose Chong's from outer space. <laughs> Jose Chong's final repose. Just combine the two. Oh, my God.